Hey, this is Channing. And this is Leah. And you've reached Vessel Art is a Doorway. Welcome to episode one. Hey guys, we want to welcome you to Vessel Art is a Doorway podcast. This is episode number one of season one. Wow. We're, and we, we hope that this podcast finds you and your family doing well. We hope that you guys are feeling okay. And we realize that whatever time period that we're living in, art has the ability to build us up. And that's why I really enjoyed talking to Thomas Storson. And I can't wait for you guys to hear his interview. The way he acquires art and the way he enjoys living with it is just really inspiring. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed talking to Thomas, too. He refers to himself as being the reluctant collector. And just to clarify, when we speak about or we use the word collector, we're not necessarily referring to some elitist class, like maybe some people that comes sometimes an elitist class comes to their mind when they think of the word collector. And that definitely is not who we're referring to. We're just referring to people that bring art into their life for various reasons. One of the things that we found out in this interview with Thomas is that he enjoys picking up art while he travels. And one of the interesting things I thought was really noteworthy was that after he acquires some of these pieces, he's even become friends with a few of the artists. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking with Thomas about how he never gets tired of a lot of the art that he's acquired. He sees a little bit something different in them from day to day. Even some of the darker pieces that aren't traditionally beautiful. It was really interesting to hear how he interacts with them on a daily basis. It was fun hearing how he gets joy out of the work and how he he even expresses himself by some of the work that he acquires. I'm not sure if he would agree with me or not, but here we'll let you guys listen to it and hear what he has to say about that subject. So without further ado, let's listen into this interview with Thomas Thorson. Oh, audience, we are with the magnificent Thomas Thorsund. Um, Thomas, you, you know, we just want to thank you for being an interviewee on our show, uh, Vessel as Art as a Doorway. We, we feel so privileged to be sitting here uh, with you at your home and just looking at some of this collection. It's awesome, Thomas. You're very welcome. Thank you for coming. People, if you want to know a little something about Thomas Thorsund, he, you may not know him, but he is an art enthusiast or a reluctant collector. Now that title alone, it really does something for us. Uh, you know, you think about a reluctant collector. Okay. All right. Well, Thomas, we just want to get to know you a little bit better. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and where you grew up, how you became the person you are today? Well, I'm originally from Norway. I'm from a small town in Western Norway. And then when I was about 19, I um, came over here uh, for school to try something different. And then I did go back one time uh, during the time that I've been over here, but mostly I've, I've stayed here, here in the U.S., and I've enjoyed myself. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So from Norway, we got a chance. We, we didn't go to Norway. I think we, we talked about this a little bit, but we did get a chance to go to Scandinavia and Copenhagen, and we just had a blast. We even stopped over in Basel, Switzerland for a little bit. But um, what was it like growing up in Norway? Could you help our audience understand that? It's, it was good. You know, it was, it was calm. 
it was peaceful and you know it was a good time it was the 70s it became the 80s and it was a very sort of exciting time but it was also sort of an explosion of of youth culture of music of all those things and uh, I look back and I, I sort of look at what the parents must have thought of us the kids because they're listening to this crazy music. They're listening to this, <laughs> looking at this crazy stuff. And uh, I think overall it was just um, a fairly peaceful time in, you know, in world history. Mm-hmm. And wh- how, how did you get into doing what you do now? Uh, wh- wh- what are some of the uh, things that you're actually involved in? You mentioned um, uh, some things that you've actually been able to edit on Hollywood in, in the media. Yeah, I mean, I, I started working in television as early as when I started going uh, to school at university. And then I've stayed in television the whole time. I was originally in production, uh, ventured on into post-production, and then worked in short form, long form. I was with ABC for seven years. I worked for Access Hollywood for five. So I've done a variety of different things. And then in my spare time, I started doing uh, documentaries uh, that related to things that I'm interested in directly. And some of them are art, uh, some of them are not. It's great when you can work on stuff that relates directly to what you like. So in your so going back to Norway, is that where you were exposed to art? Like, what's some of your first memories with art? It's it's a good question because I think back and I and I sort of think like what what could be my first exposure? But I remember my mom she picked up a painting was referred to as porcelain painting. She could paint mm-hmm. flowers onto uh, vases and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of neat. And I look mm-hmm. back at them now; they're actually pretty good okay yeah and you know that stuff i didn't think much of it at the time Mm. and then small little things like i remember the prints that we Mm -hmm. had or Mm -hmm. or stuff that we had on the walls Mm -hmm. and there was in the in the entryway there was a gauguin painting i didn't Mm. know that that's what it was at the time wow and later on i'd be like oh yeah that's that painting from tahiti and Mm -hmm. but also in later years too i i looked at the uh, the paintings that my grandma had on my dad's side. Mm-hmm. And she had probably five or six original pieces that I mm-hmm. thought were quite good. Mm-hmm. And I've spent probably the last uh, seven, eight years reacquiring those pieces. And I've gotten all of them except for one. Wow. Um, and and so I think when I look back at some of the the the, the photos are taken at my grandma's house, I'm like, oh, I remember that painting. Oh, I remember that painting. And uh, and there's something, they, they, they make an impression on you, even at that age, mm. that I don't know how it can be described, but it, it's, it's, it's pretty stuck. Mm-hmm. So you you mentioned that you're going back in that collection of some of the paintings that your your grandmother possessed uh, back in back in olden days. But what what what? Why are you? I know it's the obvious. I want to purchase anything that my grandma grandma used to have. But but could you explain that feeling alone right there? You know, when what is it about that? Why are you doing that? Good question. I, I think what it comes down to in the end is that. Uh, I like her taste. I, I think she had good taste, and I think these are uh, really good paintings. And um, 
and and for that reason alone, I don't know if there's any sentimental value with it because I don't think that if you didn't like the paintings, then mm-hmm. you wouldn't go get them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel like as you've been growing up, how art design or just that art has influenced you in your life or maybe some decisions that you've made? I, I think it's an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it, there might be a, a switch that comes on at some point or that you you start to orient yourself in that in that sort of a sensitivity but i think for the most part it is is an ongoing experience and you you see things and you go oh i wasn't i wasn't aware of that oh that's a whole new different way of 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 doing things and i think if you're inside a building and you look around 99% of what you're going to see is man-made that means mm-hmm. it's a design involved it can be a, a lamp, it could be the curtains, whatever it is, a chair. Because it has a design attached to it, I think to me it makes it very interesting that so much of everything around us have a design and, and, and cars and whatnot, and they have a history of their own. And and I think I think most people are actually interested in those things. They may not even know it themselves. Mm, that's very interesting. So how did you come to acquire your first uh, art piece? I had always been interested in posters, and I had a good number of posters I had for years. I used to, when I was a kid, I used to collect circus posters. And it, it was <laughs> a cool. huge devastation that they got lost. Because <laughs> I, I've never been able to find back mm. to them. Yeah. Uh, and I had posters. I had... I found some interesting posters from South America that dealt mm-hmm. with social justice and those kinds of things. But at one point, I came across this artist um, named Harris, and and I remember looking at these paintings, and I always thought originals are so expensive, I won't be able to afford it. And I asked the price uh, for the painting, and it was $400. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to... Go for that. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, so that ruined me. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> so after acquiring your first piece, uh, how was it like living with that piece that made you want to collect more? And just in general, how has it been living with the art that you collect? I, I never thought of it as, as wanting to collect more because that feels like there's like a hunger mm. that you just need to, to acquire. And I've never had that hunger or anything like that. It's more that I come across a piece of art that I think is just undeniably good. And when it's undeniably good, and again, if you can afford it, and sometimes I could and sometimes I could not, then I was, you know, it's it's astounding. Like, I remember being back in college and um, Shag, the artist, Josh mm-hmm. Eagle, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I remember there was a painting there for sale for a whopping $375. <laughs> That painting today, I don't even know how much it would be worth, but it would be more than $375. Right, (laughs) right. right. So one thing that I really, like before we started um, talking, just when we came in, you mentioned there was one piece. Unfortunately, it's not here, but fortunately for San Francisco, it's going to be in an exhibition in San Francisco. But you mentioned how powerful that piece is and how um, you've kind of moved it around your house (laughs) a few different times because I just love the way you describe how it's been and your interaction with that piece and just seeing it on a regular basis. 
Yeah, the painting that we're talking about is it's called Republic of Amnesia, and it's a painting by Mark Bryan. I thought it was, I remember seeing it and I thought, oh, this is a, a really terrific painting. It's scary and it's it sort of oozes of doom, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's really good. And I remember buying it at a pretty fair price, and then I didn't have the guts or the, uh, I didn't have the nerve to actually hang it in view because it was so I felt it was so powerful mm-hmm. it, it set the mood in the house so much mm-hmm. so it took me about two years before I could take it out of the middle room and actually hang it up on the wall and even to this day it doesn't hang on a wall where let's say <laughs> if it's in view if you're watching television for, for the reason that it's so grim mm-hmm. but it's so good mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it beyond that, really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we were talking a little bit about it. My my hypothesis is the reason why sometimes we're drawn to things that might be a little bit dark or sad is because us being complex creatures as humans, we love the fact that somebody else can kind of empathize with that side of us. But maybe I think it's interesting that you're like, you know, I don't necessarily want that to be the forefront, but it just you know, living with that peace. I don't you just enjoy seeing it. And I think there's something uh, that happens with these oil paintings is that they do communicate or they do something to you. They they continuously speak and, and communicate with you. And uh, it is, I don't know how that really works, mm. but it, but there's, there's something that happens there. Mm-hmm. When it comes to a wide variety of artists, um, you mentioned Mark Bryant. What, now, people, we're looking at some of these paintings right now, and they are amazing. I mean, I see some of Mark Bryant's work, but what, what other work have you been able to collect over the years? There's, um, there's uh, Robert Craig that I'm really fond of. Uh, there's a Jeffrey Gersten that I think is very talented, and of course um, Eric Joyner I think is 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 very very good. And and one of the things I have probably three of Eric Joyner's paintings, and I I have to say there's days where I come home late or wake up in the morning or something, and I look at them and be, you know, that's a really good painting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I kind of look back and and I like. I kind of I'm not impressed by myself, but I'm at least thinking that was you're very good to to get that back then mm-hmm. because you're looking at it now and I feel the same way about it now than when I bought it, mm-hmm. or at least even the feelings might have deepened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you feel like you're almost like curating a space in your home? Or? It, it, no. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I would I would never think of it in a way of sort of hoity-toity or anything like that, but. To me, again, I feel like I'm a reluctant collector. I don't even mm-hmm. think of myself as a collector. Mm-hmm. But I, they bring these pieces bring me great joy, and mm-hmm. I really do enjoy seeing them day after day. And I, and they don't get old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's really fun to be able to have that experience and at home. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, so I, I guess I'm just very lucky in that way. Now, when it comes to the different type of artists that you collect, are you uh, more interested in emerging or renowned artists? How, how would you describe or that? Or is it just your personal taste? That's a, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I try to look at something with just open eyes and, mm-hmm. and try to sort of decipher it on my own. Do I like it or not? 
don't look at a label or a signature or or who who is from just look at it and try to just stick to your guns and say do i like this do i think that this you know has some merits but why do i like it what about what do i like about it and then i tend to walk away and come back at it and then usually it sort of reinforces whatever you felt the first time mm-hmm. around but i think you should always be open to whatever would come your way and so does it just vary piece by piece it sounds like do you see a piece you think about it for a little while do you have to see it like a like two or three times or does it take about a span of like i know i've heard of some um people who acquire art even taking like a year to think about the piece or what is it like for you wow a year um (laughs) i think sometimes it goes quickly and in the case of mark bryan uh, I looked at a painting that he had, and I called him on a Wednesday. I think the painting had sold on the mm-hmm. previous Sunday, and it it haunts me a little bit because I really like that painting, <laughs> but that it, that I'm not the owner of it. Oh well, you know. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. And, and what are some of the other considerations that got you to acquiring a piece? Because I am sort of reluctant in in wanting to collect. I feel like I really have to like it. And I mean, here's an example too that I thought was kind of funny. I some some people came into town and they wanted to go to the LA Art Show, and I said, "Oh, I'll come along." Mm-hmm. And tucked away in a corner there, there was an artist who had done this little painting that I thought was kind of neat. I liked it, and I bought it, and it was sort of ridiculously cheap. And but it was, I liked it on its own. Mm-hmm. And I remember sending a picture of it, and I said, "I kind of like this. It has these elements." And his response was, when I pushed him a little bit, was he said, that artist has no command of that medium. Wow. Mm-hmm. Ah, ah. And I thought, I applaud him for his honesty mm-hmm. and for his forthrightness. I thought it was a little blunt, but he's right. He's probably right. Do I still like that that painting? Yeah, I do. But what he said kind of hangs in the back of my head going, right, well, that's what he said. So, do you have any pieces that you have right now that you made an impulse purchase for? It sounds like that little piece may have been like a quick impulsive purchase. Yeah, not too many Mm -hmm. on the whole. There's been maybe a few where I saw them and purchased them the same day, but even then, it was, I think, it was pretty obvious to me that they kind of spoke to me or they sort of said, yeah. And, (laughs) and, And I think in my defense that looking back at it too is it because I still like them just as mm-hmm. much as, the, as day one I, I think that's a pretty solid purchase then and it's interesting I was just thinking about what you mentioned about the, the artists and their command of the medium I feel like I don't know just the object being what it is sometimes that night naivety maybe of I think sometimes that may create a certain feeling even you know and so I, I totally can see why you definitely be attracted. I'm attracted to people and as far as their art and all different, you know, levels of their experience. I feel like people grow and change and it's nice to kind of like be with them on that journey. I think a good example of that um, that sort of surprised me a little bit was um, there's an artist named Heather Galler. Mm-hmm. And I have maybe altogether maybe five or six of her paintings. And I remember just sort of stumbling over it, thinking, you know, they, they kind of speak to me. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. They look a little sort of childish, perhaps. But 
I like them enough to buy that many. And I must say they were affordable at that time. And since then, you know, she's gone on to, if you Google Heather Galler, mm. you can buy prints, you can buy uh, shower curtains, you can buy uh, all kinds of stuff uh, from Walmart to Kmart mm-hmm. to Amazon. Her stuff has gone really wide into all kinds of merchandising. And I feel like they wouldn't have gone into to white merchandising if people didn't like the images. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I remember we had a conversation, I think it was last week, and we were talking about uh, some of the pieces that you have hidden. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think we were, we were referring to uh, one of the interviews, I believe it was on a podcast, about some collectors uh, who may have things hidden up underneath their mattress even. Uh, could you expand on that a little bit for us? I'm not that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not because I have a small bed, but uh, the, yeah. the, uh, I, I think that's a, it's, it's a little bit of a sad statement because I think the, the people, you know, the artists that make whatever it is that they make, I don't think that they ever intended for like, oh, this would be a great painting that could live in a rich person's uh, underneath their bed. <laughs> oh, I always wanted my paint, paintings to be there. <laughs> and I remember seeing stuff from the 90s where Japanese had, you know, had bought up a lot of, you know, impressionist art from Europe. And they were put into these big metal boxes and, and tucked away as mm-hmm. an investment. And I yeah. thought... I, that doesn't, but, but I think it, it has happened to me as well, where there's been one or two paintings that there actually haven't been space for on the walls. And I've had to quietly and hopefully <laughs> temporarily deposit them underneath my bed, but not many. <laughs> <laughs> so do you rotate? It sounds like, well, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Do you rotate a lot of the pieces in your house or do you, is it just certain pieces? Certain ones have like, you know, their own real estate and then other ones kind of like rotate. It's hard to say. I mean, right now it's a little bit um, unusual because two of the paintings are out at an exhibition Mm -hmm. and another painting is going to be going off to an exhibition and it's going to be gone for three months Mm -hmm. I think both of them and so you have these sort of holes on the wall and and you kind of go should I put something there this is a luxury problem Mm -hmm. but but it kind of I think that there's always a way to to um to mix and match and try different things. And I must say, I just uh, moved a painting about two months ago into the main wall here. And now that it's there, I really like it. Like mm. it's, I don't want to move it now. Mm, that is so interesting. Having art have real estate r- within your house, uh, you know, that's just something, you know, uh, to really think about. Um, now, I think we touched on it in a private conversation that we had about sometimes having some of these pieces. I see some empty spaces where there were places uh, of some. It, now, is it Mark Bryant's work was here or? Yes, two of, two of his were right here. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. People, some of these paintings that he has are really interesting. Now, one of them. Now, what is this called right here? This one with the yeah. jump, the two robots jumping on the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, it's a it's a painting by Eric Joyner called um, the Golden Gate Jumpers. Mm-hmm. Golden Gate Jumpers. Wow. And, and it has a little bit of history to it, and that was that I had um, sort of suggested I had actually experienced this in a dream and I sort of told that dream off to Eric Joyner now he mind you like most artists people come to him and say oh you know what you should paint (laughs) and and 
they usually respond with, you know, that's a painting that you should paint. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I didn't think much of it. And I was at least not expecting that he would paint anything in that regard. But he did. (laughs) So he came back to me about three or four months later. And he said, "Uh, you know, remember what we talked about? And and so he says, "Um, I have that painting. Are you interested in it and I'm like of course I'm interested in it. <laughs> and so I did buy the the painting and what was interesting I thought was that within the week some gallery up in San Francisco emails me and says hey we would like to buy that painting for double the price wow uh, and I thought well he is my friend <laughs> I cannot do that nor would I want to either but it tells you that it has an appeal. Mm-hmm. And I think Eric at that time was kind of thinking, maybe not think too much of the painting. And I came up and visited him again, um, I think three, three or four months later. And then that painting in print form, there's three or four of them on the floor ready to be shipped. And he kind of was like, yeah, that's become a bit popular now. <laughs> not upset, but, you know, yeah. happily upset. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, do you have any particular favorite paintings right now, or does it kind of change every so often? I don't have a, a favorite painting. There are certain ones that I do gravitate towards, and I they hold sort of a special place. But for the most part, I I, I tend to like certain elements of each and every one of them. Mm-hmm. But I I would hate to have the house be on fire and have it come Aww. in and and sort of have to grab two or three of them. Mm-hmm. I would hate for that to happen. Yeah. You talked about the uh, the impact that that your work has had on you. When, when you think about others, when they come and they visit you in, in your home, have you heard any responses from maybe uh, some of your uh, visitors or maybe family members when they see the work? It, all kinds of things. Uh, What's interesting, though, is that Mark Bryan sometimes will come here and stay, mm-hmm. and he'll wake up, and you'll find him in the morning standing there staring at these paintings, being like, I, this is a good painting. Like, I, you have some of my best paintings. <laughs> and, and I'm sure he tells that to everybody. But uh, and it's interesting to see different reactions that people have. Uh, I've been sort of teased. They'll, some a friend of mine would call, like, oh, yeah, the, the, the guy with the gallery. <laughs> gallery. It's an amazing uh, gallery. <laughs> yeah. But but it's people have different reactions. I, I, I'd say it's mostly positive. And also, mm-hmm. children actually take to these things and look at them and are just sort of endlessly fascinating, which is I think is a good sign. Yeah, the, the, I mean, your collection, I think it says something about your personality, Thomas, if you don't mind. In me a saying, good way. <laughs> um, you know, in a very good it's way, playful. you know. Yeah, very playful. But at the same time, it's, it's like a surrealistic element there, you know. And I, I, I love the whole pop surrealism effect. Leah is a really good pop surrealist artist. But you talked about how you've gotten into editing with some of these uh, famous uh, things that are on TV now. Very amazing. I got a chance to see some of your videos, even of uh, Mark Bryan, and they were phenomenal. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I watched them twice, <laughs> you know, because I, I just enjoy the subject matter. And in those interviews, you'll notice that Tom 
Thomas, he asks the question, but you don't see Thomas asking the question. Mark Bryant and Eric Joyner, they're just talking. But that what is that process like when it comes to editing? Do you edit to create like a mood? Do you think of like, what's your process like? I'm sure Entertainment Tonight and things like that uh, is obviously going to be different than like doing the videos you did for Corey Helford and your art, the artists. Right. I think in in regards to at least these two videos is that uh, I think I know them a little bit and, and I try to make a fair portrait mm-hmm. of 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 how they are as people and at least how I experience them. And it's kind of trying to find basically pair together a lot of their sort of thought processes and, and whatnot and and to sort of to have it all not only make sense but have it be uh, something that you can watch that will be interesting that you'll learn something and it'll mm. be somewhat entertaining yeah. and I think in many ways anything that you do pretty much is almost like creating a pop song mm. <laughs> it has to do this and be that and do that and it'll be sort of appealing I think there's definitely certain things that are similar mm-hmm. and, um, and there's certain things that I uh, relate to particularly with those things is that I want it to be a flow. There has to be a flow where when you start, you don't want to look away until you're done mm. because it, it keeps bringing you something or giving you something that is pretty interesting. And I think I've seen enough things where if I watch them and if I lose interest, I think that's a bad, mm-hmm. that something is almost like a false note or something that just makes you go, Ugh. <laughs> and then you're out of it. And then, so I, I'm very aware of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Do you find that the art that you've acquired, does it come, is, does its influence ever come out in some of the other work that you use editing? Or is the art just more of a, a personal kind of release in, you know, in your environment? That's a good question. I've never thought about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think I've always been inspired by images and, and at work, I've always been sort of cautious of what I put up on the walls, and uh, and that there's mm-hmm. there's a rhyme or reason to it. At least, at least, I think for me, it's got to be something that I like. Uh, and I think there might be a chance that once you put up something that you like, that it gives you something mm-hmm. every day, even though it might be a print or yeah. who knows. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, when you're describing your process, what kind of mood are you trying to set in some of these videos that you have? Like, for instance, the one with uh, Corey Helford Gallery and Mark Bryan, I believe. When you think about it, do you make use of time even when it comes to some of these videos? I try to, most of all, I try to listen for content. Mm-hmm. And usually I, I will have like an interview, let's say, if it's half hour 45 minutes and i usually just take out the stuff that i like mm-hmm. so i start paring it down and then i take it from 45 minutes to 10 minutes or to, to 15 minutes and then i will go down to lower and lower as to finding things that i like and usually what what happens is that once i have sort of put together a rough cut of what i think is the most interesting content paired with the most interesting visuals I usually have about eight to ten things that I that kind of bother me (laughs) things that I feel are not great Mm -hmm. and usually by the time I've addressed those things eight to ten things usually then it's not half bad Mm -hmm. it'll never be perfect but it'll be like yeah that's that's pretty good (laughs) and I over the years too I've gotten better Mm -hmm. 
And when you do it long enough, you do get better at it. That's the plan, at least. Yeah, that's awesome, and I, I I think you're you've done a phenomenal job on all those videos, at least the ones I've seen. You mentioned how some of your pieces are actually out in San Francisco and a few other galleries. How have you uh, presented your art collection publicly? I, I never have. I never <laughs> thought that I had a collection. <laughs> and, and you know, when you come here and say you're a collector, I'm. <laughs> I am. We keep trying to. I So so it's I I, I haven't. And, you know, done much of that, but I think, yeah, I, I, I can't say I've done any of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, when it when it comes to just acquiring some of these pieces, having some of them on display, you know, us walking into your place is amazing, Thomas. We really enjoy watching some of these things that we're, we're looking at. So you mentioned the the pieces that are in San Francisco. What can you mention where they're going to be? Sure, sure. It's actually in San Luis Obispo. Oh, okay. Uh, Mark Ryan is going to have an opening this Saturday, which is March, what, Mm -hmm. uh, 3rd, 4th? Uh, yeah, fifth. Yeah, it's the fifth. Yeah. Uh, and it's a it's a big exhibition. I think he's going to have some thirty paintings, mm. and um, and so it's it's kind of exciting, and it's it's also good to be able to to lend the pieces back for exhibition, and and I've never had that experience yet. Yeah. So this is going to be new for me. Okay. And, um, yeah. And, and, and what was the name of the gallery one more time for you? I, it, you're asking too difficult questions. I no, think okay. that's okay. there's just the, I think there's a San Luis Obispo, like a museum of art. Okay, museum of art. Okay. And it's like the county facility, okay. I believe. Do you remember how they came to know about you and some of these works that you acquired? Or is it just through the artists? It's through the artists. Uh, and also, I was, originally, I was sort of wanting to like, be the champion of several more like you must take more of the paintings to the show <laughs> and then I realized that there was actually like a like a limited space mm-hmm. so two of them went off to that show when it comes to uh, just having some of these pieces, you mentioned some of these institutions like the San Luis Obispo. What are two, one or two things that you can remember about maybe maybe how some of your guests, maybe uh, some of the interactions that they've had with some of your pieces? Can you think of any anything? I, well, a little while ago, it might have been a year and a half ago, or something like that, where we were that this whole place was being fumigated. Mm. And so I had to actually take all the paintings and I I didn't want them to be in the apartment because here in L.A. there's infamous for break-ins mm. when oh, yeah. houses are being fumigated. Right. They'll break in at night wearing a gas mask and right. stuff disappears. And so I basically took them and, and placed them with friends and whatnot. Mm. And when that happened, I, I got a whole new experience of them. And and the people that took care of them also had a whole kind of interesting experience of seeing these come up on the walls of their house in their house, and it was really neat. It was, I was like, I, I got sort of a newfound appreciation for them, and I saw them in a whole new light. Mm-hmm. Can you remember? Did they just mention that they enjoyed them, or what were some of the things that they? Can you remember that they said? Sure, I think people look for either a, a, some sort of a story in the painting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's, it's very evident what's going on in the painting. It's what you see is what you get, and some are more complicated, I guess. But for the most part, most people just react to it just with emotion, mm-hmm. and it tends to be overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. without. Some people have more nuanced feelings and, and whatnot, but for the most part, they'll be looking at like, yeah, I like that one. <laughs> and it could be something as basic as the colors, mm-hmm. the, the basic motifs. Um and, you know, everyone has a different opinion. Yeah, just to let you guys know, some of the artists that whose paintings he has on his walls, they one of them specializes in painting robots and donuts. So it's really colorful and a lot of fun, <laughs> really interesting. So, again, I can imagine all the different I'm sure people have probably tried to find some sort of representation with the, you know, chocolate donut and sprinkles, you know, on the was that Transamerica? building <laughs> uh, it's making me a little hungry <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember i asked eric at one point like what's the deal with 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 donuts and he just says that i like donuts and then, <laughs> yeah, why and, not? and then later on i found out how it came to be and that was uh, after church on sundays mm-hmm. his mom would take him to this donut shop and he could buy a, he, could, he would get a donut mm-hmm. so it's what he does is that he just paints stuff that he likes. He likes donuts mm-hmm. and he likes robots because he thought it was fascinating, probably from his childhood. And if it's kind of like if you're going to do something with your life, then you should do something you like. Mm-hmm. And, and he decided, I'm going to paint robots and donuts. Yeah. So that's really interesting how Eric, you know, he thought about his childhood and, you know, he just wanted to paint something that he enjoyed or that, that he could remember, um, you know, that uh, related to uh, uh, some form of contemporary art. And hearing you, you know, mention how going back to the beginning of our interview, you mentioned how your mom would paint on porcelain, I believe. And then some of the paintings that your grandmother had in the home and how you've gone back. It, 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 is it back, back to Norway? Mm-hmm. And you're actually trying to recover some of these pieces, right. you know. What do you think is the connection there when it comes to art and our emotion and our feelings? I don't know. Can you expound on that or, or, or could you even put it into words? I think, again, that's a really good question. And I think when you look back at it, you try and find isolated things like, oh, this, that. But if you look at a long perspective of, you know, how did you end up with all these paintings in your in your apartment <laughs> yeah. you can kind of stretch it back and say like well i was i like those paintings back in the day i like this i was interested in this so it, when you sort of look at it in a long perspective it it makes sense i think because i think the interest developed very early mm-hmm. and then another thing he has are these beautiful Japanese prints on the wall that you said you acquired when you went to Japan. Do you have other pieces like that? Was it just to, obviously, I know you're attracted to the actual pieces. Was it more being in Japan that was kind of like a way for you to take a piece back with you? I I think it's, it it really goes to the the heart of, it's something that I like. Mm -hmm. And those prints, uh, they're not originals, I think, but they're they were somewhat expensive and I saw them at this um, street market in Tokyo and what happened was <laughs> it took me three rounds of haggling <laughs> before <laughs> actually getting them into a price that wasn't super bad because they were still pretty expensive okay. but they they really spoke to me and I really liked them and the, the, the fact that they're still on the wall does tell you that <laughs> That's. I think they're pretty good. Right, and important. Uh, can you think of one or two artists that you've been watching? <laughs> yeah, there's... Uh, funny you should talk about that because... Um, mention that because there's a guy who I think is, is really, really uh, talented. His name is Glenn Barr. Mm. And I've actually 
commissioned a painting from him that's going to come here in two weeks, which is exciting. And I followed his, I like his style. I followed his paintings for a while, what he paints. And I really like his style. And it got to the point where I, there was none of the paintings that he did that I didn't like or didn't Mm. care for. And so for that reason, um, I actually went ahead and commissioned a painting, which again, I didn't know that I could afford it. Luckily I could. And the only reason why I would do that, because I don't believe in commissioning paintings that way, because you're buying something you haven't seen mm-hmm. and you don't know if you're going to actually like it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a bad idea most of the time. <laughs> but with him, because I like his style so much, I couldn't find a painting I didn't like. Mm-hmm. I thought the risk was pretty low. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I'm familiar with Glenn Barr's work. I love, I love his work too. It's feel like it's ha- there's still also that nostalgia that I feel like is maybe you know not in the same way, but I feel like there's like a, a little theme in some of the paintings that you have in your house. You know, Thomas, we've really enjoyed just spending a little time with you, and thank you for coming. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, you, you're just a, a really interesting, intelligent, charming, and magnificent individual. And yes, you're an art collector, <laughs> but <laughs> but thank you so much in for the your best time. way possible. Yeah. It was a lot of fun having our conversation with Thomas. It was just really interesting hearing how he's filled his environment with so many incredible pieces and what it's like for him to live with those pieces that he has filled his environment with day to day. And I really enjoyed the point that he made about how design is all around us. And it's like some of the things that we take for granted, like from the cars that we drive in, the logos even on the cars, the bricks that are on our house, the people who have made decisions about the color of the bricks. I mean, we can go on and on. It's just, it's interesting how art really influences all of these little things that we take for granted. Yeah, and I thought it was neat hearing how he remembers as a child, his grandmother used to collect all those pieces and how he's basically gone back and tried to acquire some of that work. You know, that really shows how sentimental art can be sometimes. Yeah, and then even the fact that even though he said that he loves those pieces and he didn't acquire them for sentimental reasons, how he doesn't buy art just to have more. That's not why he is acquiring them. He acquires them because he loves those pieces and it's fun to live with them from day to day and how oil paintings continually speak. And I can definitely resonate with that point. And even when he talked about how just to have that experience of having those original pieces in his house from day to day, to have that experience at home, how special it was instead of always having to go to a museum or a gallery to see these pieces in person. I can't wait for you guys to hear the next interview we have coming up. The artist that we were talking with Thomas about, Eric Joyner, he's the one that paints robots and donuts. We had the pleasure of interviewing him and we will be publishing that interview next week. So I know you guys will really enjoy that one. In honor of these first few interviews that we're going to be releasing, I'm going to be doing a live throwing of a small vase that I'll be gifting to three of you from my audience on Thursday, April 30th, 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'll be gifting this vase away just to say thank you to many of you in our audience. If you'd like the opportunity to be chosen, write a review Take a screenshot of your review, then post it on Instagram and at me, 
at Just Glaze Channing, Just Glaze Channing. And if you could also add another friend of yours, someone that, who you think would actually benefit from listening in to this podcast. And if you want to hang out with us online, follow me, Leah, at Leah Smithson Art, and follow Channing at Just Glaze Channing. Or you can also hang out with us on our website at clss.studio. That's class without an A dot studio. Well, that'll wrap this up, our first interview. And thanks for being a part of Vessel Art as a Doorway. like to do a little microphone check so microphone check one two one two one, we're two. with thomas <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>